This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello, welcome to Dallas and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Working School on Sirius XM 132. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Nick Ashburn. And we're here every live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. And then we're played during the week and also available on the app. So you never have to be without us when you have a sudden a sudden craving for Dollars and Change. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately the song Constant Craving comes to mind. <laughs> you should start singing that. It's a, it's a new year. We're going we're gonna to go into jingles all all during the show. This yeah, is our new- totally new format for Dollars and Change, <laughs> folks. Every other line's going to be a musical number. Um, so, yes, this is our first show of 2019, so this is a this is a lot of fun to get it started up again. Can you believe we're in the last year of the de- of this decade? No, it's kind of kind Didn't of wild, we just right? change millennia like, a couple years ago? A couple years ago. No, it's 2019 now. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's weird. Good riddance to 2018. Good so, riddance. Good riddance. Okay, bye. On the whole. On the bye, whole. Felicia. <laughs> bye, Felicia. <laughs> so um, let me go ahead and give you guys the, the phone number and the Twitter handle, so in case you want to reach us. We're at one eight four four wharton 844-942-7866. Our email is businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And then if you're uh, on the Twitter, you can give us a, a tweet at, at bizradio132. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling this morning. I've oh. had like half a sip of coffee. Uh, yeah, there's a little coffee crisis here. The place where Nick was going to buy coffee is is not open because of the spring break. There, there are machines with coffee, but there, no cups. Well, there's also machines with coffee in our producer's office, but no cups. So, <laughs> I mean, struggle city here, folks. So you're gonna see you're gonna see the decaffeinated um, Nick today. That'll exactly. Be, that'll be a lot of fun. So no musical numbers today. <laughs> so let me talk a little bit about who we have coming on the show. Our first guest will join us in just a moment, and is Julie Sowash of Disability Solutions at Ability Beyond. And we'll discuss their wide-ranging work in helping employ people with disabilities. And this will be a kind of interesting segment because I think a lot of things we see um, among entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs are some some uh, tech-enabled products that are focused on folks with disabilities. So it'll be interesting to see what she's she's seeing in that area. Mm -hmm. At the bottom of the hour, we'll welcome Daniel Klein, who's the president and CEO of the Patient Access Network Foundation. That's PAN Foundation. Uh, The organization is the largest independent charitable entity dedicated to helping people afford out-of-pocket medical costs, which can be... A, you know, a serious and often a cause of, of bankruptcy. Sure, yeah. I mean, across the spectrum, I think people in retirement are on fixed income and, and folks who are just struggling to get by day to day. Yep, or have high deductibles. And the third guest, an hour from now, will be John Katovich, principal and co-founder at SVX.us, an impact investing platform for ventures, funds, and investors. And and we're seeing more of these, these platforms uh, coming up because as they're trying to figure out how you get more activity in impact investing, you've got to ease make it easier for people to do it. And so we've seen some of these platforms try to make that happen. Well, it's interesting because early days of the impact investing field, especially in the private markets, there was a conversation around we need more intermediation. Right. We need to people to match investors and capital with deals. And there, that that's shifting a little bit. So we'll see what uh, what John and his with, with and his team at SVX.us is up to. Right, exactly. And then at nine thirty, well, it's an open segment for for us. We can take calls. Um, we can talk about the news. We can chat. Nope. 
If I give you some of my coffee, maybe we can get Nick to sing. I was about, no, I was about to say, like, oh, my gosh, I have to get to 930 and be on point. So, sorry, folks. I'm, real, I'm trying. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> Coffeeless 2019. So, with that, we will welcome Julie Sowash. Uh, she's, uh, with the, she's the Senior Disability and Inclusion Consultant with Disability Solutions at Ability Beyond. Julie, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, have you had your coffee? I'm half a cup in, so I'm slightly ahead of you. <laughs> barely, yeah. Just barely. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I know the struggle can be real, but uh, we appreciate you joining us here so early in the morning. Exactly. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Ability Beyond. Sure. So Ability Beyond is a non-for-profit based out of Connecticut and Chappaqua, New York, We've been around for about 60 years, and we provide a wide range of services for people with disabilities, including residential alternatives, employment training, career counseling, job placement, um, and other life and, and cognitive skills instructions, including um, therapy and support, and even volunteer and recreational activities. So a, a pretty wide range of services. And the people you serve, um, is it just a huge range of, of disabilities Cerebral palsy, autism, et cetera? What, or do you have a focus? No, we serve people with mental illnesses, cognitive disabilities, physical disabilities, the whole gamut. If wow. they need services, we're happy to provide them. We serve about 3,000 fam- families in the Connecticut and New York area every year. Yeah, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good number around that. So the, the business or the organization has been around, you say, 60 years. How long have you been with the organization? I uh, just hit my six-year anniversary on December 30th. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So I, I'm trying to unpack this for our listeners, and I think that's what Cheryl was getting to, you know, this, this wide range of folks that you might, you, know, might, you might be serving. And so can you give us a concrete example? Because I'm not sure everyone, you know, that, that listens to the show full, not, not only understands the spectrum of, of clients that you might work with and serve, but also the types of services that you provide. So can you give us an idea of, you know, a, a profile of someone and, and the type of service they might need? Sure. So for overall organization Ability Beyond, we serve a person who under the the government regulations has an impact or an inhibition to a a daily activity, a, a major life function. So that may be that they need support in their living and they need to be a part of the community. So we have about 140 residential houses where people with disabilities live full time and we support them around the clock with their various needs. There may be someone who is on the autism spectrum and needs to help finding that first job. We have an employment services team that provides those services and helps that individual get to work. Does that help? Yeah, for sure. And so actually, does that mean that you are also owner operators of, you know, residential facilities or it's you're providing the services with like in home care type of stuff? So we are the owner operators in most cases. Okay, cool. Um, and then on the employment side, you also are – you're not just working with the clients. You're also working with the employers, correct? Correct. So that's really what my division, Disability Solutions, does at Ability Beyond. And we focus on nationwide consulting services that help companies who are proactive and forward-thinking start to really dive into our talent pool. 
Oh, so that consulting services allows you to reach beyond just the the geographical location um, and work with employers who are interested in in understanding how they might be able to reach into uh, a different pool of potential employees. Yeah, that's right. We we work nationwide. We have worked with a client company in India this year. So we're really growing nationally and, and hopefully even more globally this year in 2019. Well, Nick and I were both going to let me start with this, this question. So, the, the employment case is, is actually you know very interesting because in the U.S. here we have low unemployment, and and we also know that it's important. You know, having a job where you're doing something productive um, is important for the employee, of course, and especially those who have cognitive skills but may have difficulty getting jobs. So, how do you how do you make the business case for this? Uh, it, it's a great question, and I, I think anecdotally we've heard about the business case for the last 20, 30 years or so. Oh, so you've been doing uh, it that long? We, not me. Oh, no, no, but the, the organization has. Uh, no, just to really, I'm talking kind of when the ADA got signed gotcha. by President Bush. Gotcha. That's really when we started hearing the business case for hiring people with disabilities, which was great. But for me, it always felt very abstract. And so what I love about Disability Solutions is we've helped create a a real business case and case studies within the organizations that we partner with, the the companies that we work with, and we've helped about 1,500 people get hired through those companies in the last five years. And we're seeing that they stay longer, more days on the job, higher retention. There's a big increase in self-disclosure, which is important if you're a federal contractor. I don't and know what self-disclosure is. What What is that? Oh, yeah. So when you apply for a job, uh-huh. if a lot of times they will ask you a series of demographic questions. So it might be race and gender, your veteran status, but also your disability status. Okay, gotcha. And they often list, uh, are they qualifying disabilities or so how, how is that language used? Uh, so it, it's a it's a great government form that uh, all companies who have federal contracts have to use, and it it really just says here are some examples of what a disability is. Okay, are you a person with a disability? Did you used to have a disability? Or no, I'm not a person with a disability. And so you can imagine, like you just you mentioned the business case, you know, like retention, you know, the fewer days out, that type of stuff. But on the employee side. What are some of the real barriers that folks with disabilities face in getting jobs? Yeah, that's a really great question. And what we see is kind of twofold. One is still just the, the fear and the stigma that is wrapped around disability. We all have unconscious bias mm-hmm. and employers are just starting to recognize how their experiences or their visuals of people with disabilities impact how they think about our community as a whole. So for example, I'm a person with a disability. I have hidden disabilities. I suffer from multiple mental illnesses and that can be scary for some people if they haven't had experiences with people who have mental illness or they just may be uncomfortable managing a person in an interview with a wheelchair or who has a visual impairment or is deaf of hard of hearing. So it's really just the first and biggest barrier is overcoming that fear and stigma that lives still um, in dealing with a, a community that we haven't really engaged with yet as employers. And the second one is, are really the systems. So because of those same affirmative action requirements and that data collection that is required by the government, companies have put into place multiple 
technology solutions to help move applicants through the process for getting to the interview stage. And a lot of those technologies, not by default of the accessibility of the technology, but because of how the data management techniques are built, will move people out before a human ever sees them. So that system is a huge barrier. Just getting someone with a disability in front of a hiring manager is one of the biggest challenges that I see day to day on getting to work. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 132. Uh, we are talking with Julie Sowash, who's the Senior Disability and Inclusion Consultant with Disability Solutions at Ability Beyond, and we're talking about some of the employability issues um, and how their their organization works with employers and and uh, clients to to get them hired. And and Julie, this is you're really opening this up for me, and and I'm thinking of my own experiences with friends and family members. But, you know, from the employer side, there's the the screening and hiring process, and then there's the interview process. Right. There's the um, – and then there's the day-to-day management process. And you, you have to imagine that there are sort of interventions that you all with um, Ability Beyond and Disability Solutions are, are entering. So give us a sense of sort of the service that you are providing to an employer um, to help them, you know, prepare – either – you know, screen applicants and get more people in the door and or, you know, once they're hired, are there support services that you offer too? All right. That's a, that's a great question. So really the, the biggest thing that we focus on right out of the gate with a company is creating a strategy that's going to be a, a win for the company. We want to build a strong business case for why people with disabilities can be successful in any position, in any geography, in any line of business within that organization. And really enforcing and reinforcing that this is a business need and that we need to get people in the door. And so really creating a strong business case with a strategy that can be implemented and then scaled is how we approach working with companies. And that may start small with a a pilot hiring to build that case to remove some of those fears and stigmas. But it also gives my team an opportunity to identify in real time what some of those barriers to employment are. And they can be, and, and generally, again, the biggest barriers are happening before someone ever gets in the door. And it's about finding applicants, finding job seekers who want to be a part of your organization. Some are going to be connected with amazing community-based organizations like a Goodwill and Easter Seals or an Ability Beyond, and we want to pull those job seekers in. But you also want to find job seekers who are not connected to the system, who have mental illness, who don't need kind of those same support functions, and create a message that's not charitable but is talent-driven and really draw them into your brand and why you're a great employer to work with. And then once you get people on the job, you're absolutely right. You have to support your management team and those people leaders who are doing the day-to-day business of managing people with disabilities and managing their employees. And there's a lot of training that we can do to help people leaders who are on the ground understand how to manage performance, how to give feedback, how to hold people to the appropriate expectations and accountability, because this isn't about charity. This is about good business. So we want to empower people leaders on how to manage people with disabilities and how to feel comfortable to do that. 
but then also creating centralized systems for accommodations um, and, and feedback and support, as well as mentorship and, and possibly, excuse me, um, business resource groups or employee resource groups that will support employees once they're in the door. And so how, what would be your advice, um, you know, if, if you're coming to the Wharton Social Impact Initiative and you're working with us, um, you know, Cheryl's our managing director. I manage people within the team. And managing's hard, yeah. period. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and, and so when you're, de- when, you're, when you're working with folks who have any level of disability, and I think especially folks who may have, um, I can't remember the term used, like an invisible disability or something that was, isn't sort of like so readily known, you know, how, do you, how might you navigate that? What would you tell us, um, or is it really case-by-case basis, but, you know, how would, how would you advise us to, to work most effectively with someone who has, let's just take the example of sort of this invisible disability? Sure, that's, that, that's a great one. And it is one of the more challenging because you, as a leader, you may not know that it exists. And right, right. You're absolutely right. Leading people is hard, period. And so when you add in additional complexities, that can be really scary for people leaders and, and their people leaders who just want to keep um, the company moving and, and functional. And really one thing that we see in every company, and this is just a, a generalization, has nothing to do with people with disabilities, is that leaders aren't taught how to lead their teams. They're, they manage doing a job well, and then they're promoted into leadership with the assumption that they can then manage people, which is an entirely different skill set than the job they just got promoted from. And so we really encourage strong leadership, foundational leadership programs within an organization that incorporate best practices for managing people with disabilities and using different techniques to help make tasks easier to understand, different and alternative communication methods. Uh, For myself, I'll use myself as an example. I know that I need to talk through things with, with my leader and kind of brainstorm that out to get to kind of the bits and pieces that need to take take a project to fruition, to completion. And she and I work well together that way. That may not work for someone with a different type of a disability. They may need their instructions written out more plainly and, and very clear kind of task one, task two, task three. And I've found that in managing my own team, when I'm using these approaches that we teach for people with disabilities, it actually makes me a better people leader for my team, for people who don't have disabilities, because I'm able to more clearly articulate why we're doing what we're doing, what we need to accomplish, and to break that down into manageable steps that they can then implement. Yeah, And, and so glad, I think that's yeah. the focus for us. And I'm glad you brought the point up, because when you were talking about the... Um, I don't know if the, the accommodation or the steps you, you would take with, with different folks with disabilities. In many ways, that's just what a good manager does with, with everybody. People have different, very different working styles, and, and we see that on our team. And part of what you have to learn as a manager is how do you understand the working style of, of the people who report to you and the people you work with so that you're best able to, you know, get the best out of them understanding that working style. So it's really just, I think, part of being a good manager. But the other thing I wanted to go back to is a little bit about the the company. Um, it, you are talking about the business case, and, and we understand that. And what prompts a company to reach out to you and say, 
I, I'd like to hire more people with disabilities. What, what's the incentive on, on their end that prompts their action? Mm-hmm. So there, there is a carrot and there's a stick okay. kind of reaction <laughs> that, that we get when, when companies approach us. Uh, I'll start with the stick, which is the, the not fun part, um, is a, a lot of companies in, in the United States have business with the federal government. They're the largest buyer of goods and services in the in the nation. And so they're under affirmative action requirements, which which says they have to hire people of diverse genders, races, veteran status, and now disabilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so some companies come because that is a requirement, and they're still trying to figure out is this something that we really want to embrace and move forward with, or is this something that we're doing because we just have to right now, and we're tentative. And that's okay, because this is new, and people still have concerns and fears, and it's really my job and, and the job of my team to help understand what those fears are and, and help the companies move past them. And then the other end of the, the gamut of that are really forward-thinking companies who are passionate about diversity and inclusion already, who want to make an impact in the communities where they're located, and who want to have an, a, an employee base that is reflective of their consumer and their customer base. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm, I'm also curious um, about maybe a success story, mm-hmm. you know, of, I mean, you could say it from the employer side and an engagement in that way, or, you know, one of your clients on the individual side and how, you know, they got a job and how they've been successful in the role. So the... The biggest wins are when we see a multiplier effect, when we're able to make systems adjustments to how people apply for a job or how people are engaged in the interview, and we see multiple hires in geographies, and those then that moves across an organization. So, for example, one company that we worked with started small with two pilots in um, two different cities in, in the country, and they've now hired over 1,300 people with disabilities in the last three and a half to four years. Wow. And they've started to move and, and brand that out, and they're being recognized nationally. They're being recognized at conferences and with awards. And, and those are like the That's the, the big multiplier effect that really gets me going. But we also, I don't want to lose the, the people impact. These are real human beings who are ready to go to work, who have great skills and experience, who just are looking for an opportunity. And we have actually this month, uh, one of the first hires through Disability Solutions will be hitting his fifth year of employment. He is a person who's deaf or hard of hearing, and he works in a, a refurbishment center, kind of a technical position in one of the companies that we work with. And we have others that are hitting two and three years of employment, even one just last month at a call center that we work with who was named Employee of the Month. So that, those are the really good feeling wins that we get with Disability Solutions. Yeah, and the thing is, I think what you're pointing out is right, that once you once you start off this way and have a pilot and it's successful, that really makes it easier for you to do to do more of this because your initial fear about it's not going to work or it's going to be too hard or, you know, it's going to fail. Once you dispel that, then there's there's much less of an excuse to, to not hire hire more people. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get buy-in at that point from, from even more senior leadership and, and they get excited about a program that has positive impact in their business and in their community. 
You know, it, I am still struck by, you know, the earlier comment that you made and then Cheryl reinforced just how many of these principles seem to be rooted in best practices of right, management right. and leadership development. Um, and it's, it is kind of sad. It's sad that not enough companies and organizations really do that because I think you're right that you sort of get promoted because you did a good functional job in one area and then you're responsible yes. for managing people and it's, it's very, very different. different. It's um, very different. So I think it's really interesting that we're not saying like this is this big add-on, although there might be additional ex- considerations. But you know, at the end of the day, this is just a really good service that you're offering. And so I just wanted to switch a little bit to ask you, you know, what what are you most excited about um, for you all? I mean, India. I mean, global expansion might be the answer, but you know, yeah. what is what are you most excited about at Disability Solutions? So we're just really excited about, we feel like the tide is turning for people with disabilities. And our motto is that we're changing changing minds and changing lives because we're changing the minds of, of leaders in corporate America about what our community can do and the value that we bring to the table. And, and by those minds being changed, then we ha- can have a multiplier effect on the number of lives changed for people with disabilities because they're actually getting those opportunities to get to the employment level that they're capable of. And, and getting to work with great companies who are engaged. And I know, and I, I think you all might agree, but that really business drives change in this country. It's not going to be government. It's not going to be the, the non-for-profit sector. It's going to be business. And when business decides to truly embrace my community, that's when all of those unemployment numbers are going to change and those participation rates in the workforce are going to change. And we're going to really hit or leap over one of those last obstacles to full inclusion in in America. And Julie, we're getting close to having to wrap up our segment, but there's a question that came in about health care. So are these jobs that have health care, you know, and offered in ways that can offset um, the loss of potential disability checks? There are some people who might be getting disability checks to maintain their health, et cetera. When they get their jobs, they may lose the disability checks. So are, are these the kind of jobs that, that help maintain their health care if they need it? Yeah, so that's, that's a really great question. And I would encourage any job seeker with a disability to talk to a, a benefits counselor. Um, they're in every state because how work is going to impact their access to Medicare, Medicaid, or to their disability checks every month, their Social Security checks, um, is going to be different. And that's why people choose to work at different levels. But actually, the Social Security Administration has made it much easier for people to work at higher levels and kind of wean off of those benefits, benefits, which is a great goal for us. And they just need to get that information. So those are really specific kind of focused questions that, is, that are different for everyone. But there are a lot of opportunities that people with disabilities just don't know about to help maintain their health insurance if they need it or to wean off of those benefits and understand how that impact is going to happen. And so they should check with their, the benefits counselors at the company or yeah. at the Social Security or where? Um, so they can go to, I believe it's ssa.gov, okay. and they can find out more about uh, benefits counselors, certified work incentives counselors, and 
even potentially other programs that may be helpful to them. Great, great. That's very helpful. Well, this has been a, a very helpful and informative sec- uh, uh, section today, so that's been great. Uh, we've been talking with Julie Sowash, who is a Senior Disability and Inclusion Consultant with Disability Solutions at Ability Beyond, and, and we really were talking about the business case for hiring people with, with all sorts of disabilities, and so it's uh, it's been um, very informative and helpful. So, Julie, thank you so much. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Daniel Klein, who's president and CEO of the Patient Access Network Foundation about um, helping support people who have a hard time affording their out-of-pocket health care costs. We'll be back soon. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 